You're listening to the West End Frame Show. Hello and welcome to the West End Frame Show. I'm your host and West End Frame editor, Andrew Tomlins, and after a couple of weeks away, I am so happy to be back in the podcast booth today. I'm hiding from the pollen, we're hiding from the rain as well, it's all going on, and I am super excited to introduce you to today's co-host. He began his career in the Philippines, originally working in theatre as a child before becoming a member of the boy band 1728. Oh, no. <laughs> Some of his credits in Manila include playing Jamie in the last five years. He was a standby for Charlie Price in Kinky Boots and Mr. Wormwood in Matilda. He came over to the UK in 2017 for the UK and international tour of Miss Saigon, covering the engineer and thy casual, before joining the touring cast of The King and I, which he did until the pandemic hit. He then played John in Fanning and Stella at the Garden Theatre before starring as Ram in the West End Return of Heathers at the Theatre Royal Haymarket. He was in Venara the Musical at the Hackney Empire and recently finished his run as Understudy Simba in the UK and Ireland tour of The Lion King. He's currently starring as Connor in the premiere of the brand new musical Killing the Cat at the Riverside Studios. And so I'm super pleased that it's found some time to come in to talk to me today. Welcome oh to the God. West End Frame Show Thank with you. Keen Pedro Valdres. Oh, yeah. oh my God. Just listening to you list all that, like I, I get goosebumps. Just, <laughs> it, it's so short when you when you make it into a spiel but, and all of the memories coming back. All these years um, that started out in Manila and brought me here. It's it's nice. It's cool. You have chapters, right? You have like the childhood chapter, yeah. the boy band chapter, <laughs> then like the adult chapter in the Philippines. And then you came over here for a new chapter, then the COVID and then the post-COVID. Oh, yeah, it's 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 a lot. Um, <laughs> it's a lot. But then, yeah, you, you, you hit it right on the head. Uh, I started my career as a young theater professional at 10 years old. Uh, my very first musical in the Philippines, professional musical with my paycheck, I think I framed that somewhere, or my mom did, was Evita. I was in the ensemble of oh. Evita, um, singing Santa Santa Evita. And yeah, um, all the way now, mm. all the way up to here. It's cool. I've done podcasts in the last year with Lea Longa and with Joanna Ample. Right. And hearing about the shows that they've got to do in Manila, I've just, it's made me want to go over and see something yeah. there. Especially like Joanna did uh, The Bridges of Madison County and yeah. Waitress, like the incredible shows. Yeah, the Philippines and Singapore saw Leia's um, Mrs. Lovett. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like I, incredible like, stuff. I feel like there's more, like more and more and more stuff. Well, maybe without it's always been happening. We're just hearing more about yeah. it on social media. What's exciting about the Philippines is that it gets to do at least with a theater company called Atlantis Produ Productions, who do all of these incredible titles, and they get to do the Asian premiere, which is non-replica productions of an all-Filipino cast that are doing these great shows, but non—it's a non-replica. Yeah, one. which is often some of the first times that 
we've seen a non-replica right. production, that we've seen right. a production of Waitress, for example, that doesn't have that original choreography and that right. original design and everything. And it's so cool to see different interpretations of these shows. Yeah, Matilda, I did it for that production, uh, for that company. Matilda, uh, Kinky Boots, um, Spring Awakening, mm. uh, I did for them. And it's really exciting. I'm also obsessed because you're not putting a box. You're giving us like top belting, like lovely <laughs> in Kinky Boots, then character acting in Matilda. <laughs> like you're doing everything. You're taking it all off. It's so funny. You know, you know what? If you're a theater actor in the Philippines, you got to do it all because you got to learn how to do it all because, um, I mean, this, the opportunity is not a lot. Mm. You know, it's not as thriving as the industry is here. Um, there's a lot of interest and a lot of love for musical theater and theater in the Philippines, but the audience is still quite small. It's a, it's a baby industry, which I think is considerably gr- growing now, especially with new original Filipino titles um, that are being produced post-pandemic, ironically. Um, but it's still a baby industry compared to like Broadway mm. or, or the West End. So y- you'll find a lot of incredible talent in the Philippines, a lot of virtuosos mm. that can do so many things. Um, and uh, yeah. Was it a big decision to move over to the Absolutely. UK? Or was it, did Miss Saigon kind of bring you... So this is the story. Are you ready? Buckle ready. up. Okay. So, um, and you're going to edit this anyway. Um, yeah. So I started my career as a, as a 10-year-old theater kid. Um, the very first production I auditioned for was a Filipino production of Les Miserables. Wow. And I wanted to be Gavroche because that's the only space for a young prepubescent boy <laughs> to, <laughs> to play it. But then um, I was way too young. Um, and I, I got rejected and I just fell in love with it and started taking workshops. We don't have drama school. Um, and then that set me off. Um, uh, and I just absolutely fell in love with it up until my voice changed and I couldn't sing these high, beautiful soprano, uh, songs anymore, um, as a young theater MT boy would. Right, <laughs> justice for Wakita Prado. <laughs> so, um, what happened is some of the some of the impresarios in the Philippines decided to put up a boy band for all of us MT boys, who uh, for four of us MT boys who were in that weird transition of too old to be a kid actor but too young to be a leading man, and NSYNC boy uh, Backstreet Boys. Tick, tick. Westlife, you know, Boys to Men, I want to say. And um, <laughs> a lot of these incredible, you know, boy bands were making its mark. So they said, okay, let, let, might as well. So I got into that and found another aspect of my voice, which is my pop and R&B sound, which I absolutely loved. And if <laughs> if you listen to my recordings back then, I, I, you can tell that my voice was still quite young and changing. I was still discovering what my vocals could do. And then after that, I decided to go to uni and not do theater anymore, thinking that like like any good Asian boy in an Asian family that thinks that theater, there's no future in the theater. You need a proper career, quote unquote, <laughs> uh, <laughs> which is like you're either a lawyer or, 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 a, or a doctor or whatnot. And I decided to take up architecture. Right. And after four years of taking architecture in uni, I decided that this was not the career I wanted. So I became a film director. I went to film school. Wow. 
and I became a film director for nine years. I'm revealing my age now. Um, I became a film director for Everyone, nine years. Joaquin sat here looking like a 28-year-old <laughs> in Bob <Bapur> Cosby. <laughs> I, I, I can't tell my real age. My agent will get on me and say, no, well, we're still putting you for these casting brackets. Um, but yeah, so I went to uni, finished film school, became a director, and went directed lots of commercials back in the Philippines and went into the advertising world, literally selling my soul um, for the coin. <laughs> and... Um, really burnt myself out but on occasion and there's a story here after every two or three years of working in the advertising industry i would go back to the theater but i built kind of my my love and my 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 rep and my career as a theater actor already so anytime i could take a break from my advertising world my holiday was doing a show because that that's where I got my soul back. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. where I felt Your like passion. my passion. That's where I came alive just to give me another two or three more years mm. back in the commercial workforce. And 2016, they auditioned for the re big revival of Miss Saigon. And Miss Saigon in the Philippines has a really rich history. Joanna Ampil, Lea Salonga, um, John John Briones, everyone who's anyone um, that had a career outside of the Philippines possibly went through Miss Saigon. And I decided to audition in 2016 for the tour and I didn't get it. I made it to the final and I didn't get it. And I was so burnt out from my advertising career and I decided, you know what? I love the theater more than I love Miss Saigon. And I decided, and I, I was married, new, newly married then, I decided, I told my wife, babe, <laughs> I think I'm going to make a massive decision. But if you tell me that you don't want, you don't, you don't agree with my decision, then I'm going to change my dreams to support you. Oh. Right. But hear me out. This is what my heart wants me to do. I want to go to the UK. I want to study. I want to train. And I want to build my life in the theater. I want to continue working as an actor in an environment that has integrity and that will support me and my career and my passion for the arts. Um, now, if you don't agree with me, it's fine. I can change my dreams. But if you do, pack up, let's yeah, pack our bags and go. go. And she said, without batting an eyelash, I'm always going to be with you 100%. Oh. So. Oh my God, I can't deal. So I started looking for drama schools and I got into a drama school. And there was a space ready for me. I was going to take an MA in theater um, in a really prestigious drama school here. And then the same year, I got an email from the casting of Cameron McIntosh saying that they'd like to invite me to the extension of the UK Ireland tour for 2018, 2019. And I'm like, now I have these two options. Wait, was it like a straight offer? No, I had to send a couple tapes. Right. But they've seen me already. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah, they've seen me. And I think, you know how the jigsaw is with casting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone yeah. left and, you know. Um, and, um, yeah. So I went to my wife and I'm like, I was like, so what do I do? Do I go to school, which is offering me a place, or do I take the job? And she's like, you're going to go to school to take the job. So might as well take the job. And I said goodbye to Miss Saigon thinking that was 
that was done. That's so funny. But then that's the same vehicle that actually brought me and my wife over to the UK. And the rest is history. And here we are. Oh my gosh, that's insane. It's a journey. It was a journey. But then from there, like, look what you've done. You've been out here jumping, minus the pandemic, just jumping from incredible job to incredible job. Actually, even during the pandemic, because Fanny and Stella was kind yeah, of yeah, yeah, yeah. bang on the middle of the that pandemic. That was like the first musical to yeah. reopen, in, well, to open in London yeah. during the kind of lockdown mm. restriction periods. I guess, it, I guess it was that. It was knowing that I want, I mean, just the relief and the determination to know that I'm amongst the best of the best in the world. I mean, I would only dream about stepping into an audition room like Pineapple Studios. Oh my God. My very first audition in Pineapple Studios, I had, for the first time in my life, genuine anxiety. Oh gosh. Because it was the first time, this is like the audition that you'd only watch, like this Filipino boy would only watch in films stepping out <laughs> sorry that's so stagey I love, no, you're <laughs> in the you, right place or chorus line yeah. do you know what I mean like you're watching all of these like incredible talent in a room full of mirrors with a panel and then you get divided in a dance call into threes this is stuff that I'd only watch on movies right and now I'm in it like <laughs> it was really like anxiety driven but I, I booked that job eventually but I was like oh my gosh I'm here and um, just that immense gratitude to know that I have this opportunity now to literally live a dream. Mm. And I, you don't want to waste it. Mm. So I'm going to work as hard as I can, work harder than the next person um, with a lot of grace and kindness and compassion because I know how hard it is to be an actor. Um, I've lived it all my life in the Philippines. Um, but without taking for granted that this is an opportunity mm. that not not a lot of people have. Mm. Let's fast forward to now. So you're doing yep. Killing the Cat, yeah, Riverside Studios, Cat. brand new musical. Are you loving it? Are you having fun? People always tell me, right, when I'm like, what do you want to do? They're like, I want to create, I want to do new work. Mm. And this is exactly what you're doing right now. You know what? Like, I came from a year of The Lion King, which mm. is the most epic, most loved, probably one of the longest running musical theater entities in the world millions of people have seen it all over the world so it is a machine you know and it's nice it's it's such a privilege to be part of that machine um because the wheels that keep that machine going are well oiled it's they're top of the game you know it's disney you get all the disney magic that comes with that um i'm coming from that but as an actor you also kind of want to do new work and you do want to do new work but with new work it comes with a risk you're not probably not going to get the millions of viewers Mm -hmm. that Lion King will get Um, nothing is as certain or as tried and tested as something like the Lion King Killing the Cat oh both are cats Lion King and Cats (laughs) I just realized that now Killing the Cat is brand new it's absolutely brand new and there will be criticism there will be people who love it people who are not sure about it. But what I get away from it is I get to work with incredible talent. Tim Rogers, Maddalena, uh, Alberto, Cluan Saunders, um, Molly Lynch, who I only saw before I met her in the rehearsal room. I only saw her at the Garrick playing in the last five years. Kathy in the last five years. Gosh, she needs to 
Because you'll play Jamie and she's... I know. I'm like, oh, we should do something. That's funny. Um, and uh, yeah, I get to work with this incredible team. Um, the musicians, the creatives. It's night with Joshua Schmidt's music. Um, I've only read and heard about Joshua Schmidt until I finally met him face to face. So I th again, back to that gratitude, it's the fact that these creatives feel that they could entrust you with something so brand new mm. and all the risk that comes with it for you to originate a role, they have no idea what this character is outside of the page. And to be the first voice and the first body to do this character, it's a privilege. It's 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 really, really, really um you know, it's a it's a great blessing. Mm, you're creating, yeah, with yeah. amazing people. And it's so amazing that you're the first people to tell those audiences that story, you know? Yeah. What yeah. a privilege. That's what people And want. and for sure the show, Killing the Cat, is gonna move on um in you know in another iteration there's going to be many more casts about it uh that's good that's going to breathe life into it and um it's just nice to be that first one they'll be going back googling who played <laughs> who was that who's the... oh, okay what's his voice like <laughs> <laughs> what did he sound like when he did it um, i was telling my uh, fanny and still cast members that you know we're probably a jeopardy question what is the first production in London to come back after lockdown one? It never happened. We're ne we were never a Jeopardy <laughs> question, but it's nice. Again, it was nice to be the first um, little show in, in Vauxhall mm. after lockdown one. Mm. So we're jumping around, but then it's no, just no, nice no, to no. be yeah, yeah, yeah. given that opportunity and that trust by these creatives here in the UK. There's a lot of validation, a lot of affirmation, but also, um, again, with great power comes great responsibility. So you just got to keep um, on top of your game. Exactly. Listen, are you ready to dive in with me? Let's go, Andrew. We're going to get a bit stagey. I'm you, were, you, were, you were like censoring your staginess earlier. I'm, I'm very stagey. Let's, let's take away the censor. I want to unleash the staginess, oh, please. I don't think you're ready. <laughs> I'm ready. So coming up, we are going to be discussing for Black Boys, as well as all the latest news about Operation Mincemeat, The King and I, Newsies, and lots, lots more. So first up, let's discuss some of this week's theatre news. And we obviously have to kick off with the big story that's literally, theatre's mm. gone mainstream this week. Theatre's yeah. been in the news. Yeah, Everyone's talking about it. Social media has gone crazy. Um, and it all surrounds some incidents uh, that have happened at the Bodyguard in Manchester. So last week, the Bodyguard was in Manchester on its tour. And the Manchester Evening News published a review. The original review was by Diane Bourne. And it was titled titled The Show Where the Audience is Banned from Singing. Oh, wow. The piece highlighted the signs that some theatre staff at the Palace Theatre were holding before the performance, asking all its members to be respectful and not to sing during the performance. This review was quite crazy, right? Because the first eight paragraphs of it were all about whether audience members should be able to sing along at the theatre, not actually reviewing the show that it was a review of. Um, I think, it, in my opinion, it was kind of, well, it was put out as clickbait, right? It was right, put absolutely. out to gain a response. And, and I, I love the Palace Theatre staff. We were there. We lived there. Lion King lived there for a long time. And that's where I ended my contract with Lion King. And I love the Palace Theatre. I love the staff. Miss Saigon, 
Yeah. That was the very first theater I performed in in the UK. You flew over to Manchester, right? I flew over to Manchester. I wanted to fly into London. I didn't. They flew me straight into Manchester, which I loved. Um, Really, really loved it. And the Palace Theater. It was literally like, I think I I burst into tears when I first saw it. Because we don't get theaters like that in the Philippines. Historic theaters like that. And the staff was just lovely. And then to end my Lion King journey mm. with the palace theater that's so full circle they're really really lovely so uh, you know it's hard it's hard to read it and also yeah. i know that the majority of audiences in manchester are i mean manchester has incredible audiences they love it they love anything that's in the palace or the opera house down the road they just love it they just lap it mm. up so yeah it's, it's it's a tricky one it's this. sad clickbait journalism is unfortunately the way a lot of journalism is going yeah. um so this was kind of put out to attract attention of course and that review then got picked up by ITV's This Morning, who did a segment where they were discussing, I think, different kind of topical issues. And uh, some of the, their presenters, were Alison Hammond, Dermot yeah. O'Leary and Vanessa Feltz, had a conversation where kind of Alison and, and Vanessa were pretty outraged by the fact that you couldn't sing along, yeah. saying you should be able to sing along. Well, I wouldn't want to go and see that, um, essentially is what they were saying. That clip did the rounds on social media. Yep. Um, and lots of people were kind of having lots of different opinions. People, people online say this is ridiculous really strong We're opinions against Alison as well I know yeah. I know and then on Friday night the performance of The Bodyguard received lots of disruption um, some clips that I saw online showed a couple of audience members literally wailing along to I Will Always Love You oh, like wow. screaming along at the top of their lungs um, according to a front of house supervisor at the theatre the police were then called due to the unprecedented levels of violence that asking these oh, patrons wow. to stop caused sadly the show was stopped and eventually cancelled due to the incident I mean basically I think this, it's because of the, this morning clip and because of that review people are like I have the right to sing along so they were literally in their drunken state probably wailing along to the song I to think, make a I point th- I think yeah, there, so there are two schools of thought here and this is my opinion Yeah, or possibly even three <laughs> two schools of thought you have I went to see Frozen yeah right you go to see Frozen and by the time Samantha Barks mm-hmm. is incredibly belting this beautiful song Let It Go all the kids are singing along with her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what I don't get is I was not distracted by the kids. I could still hear Samantha Barks do it incredibly. Do you know what I mean? And then you have the bodyguard, wherein they're probably singing along, but they're also probably really, really pissed. Yeah. <laughs> and just, you know, drowned out with all the alcohol that they could consume at the bar before, you know. Exactly. And I think that's what people aren't understanding on the side of the argument where it's like, we should be able to sing along. Because you're thinking, oh, Whitney, you're thinking, I'll always dance. I'm, I want to dance with somebody. Mm. I will always dance with somebody. <laughs> that's a new mashup. <laughs> I want to dance with somebody. But actually, the majority of the songs in The Bodyguard are really raw, straight right. back, big, belty songs when you don't want to hear someone, you know, you, you pay good money to hear an incredible performer yeah. perform that for you. Absolutely. And ultimately, what I think is at stake here is that theatre is expensive. It's not easy and accessible for everybody. So if you're paid yeah. X amount of money, you want to just be able to love every second and not right. have your, not to be taken out the moment. And a couple of yeah. kids singing along only adds to the magic, right? That Absolutely. only adds to the And also the kids are not allowed to drink alcohol. No. <laughs> That's why they're not disruptive. Yeah. You know what I mean? And they're singing. I think their jaws are dropped mostly because the show is so incredible. So they're just like in awe. But then when this, when Let It Go happens, they need to sing along. But then it doesn't disrupt the performance. But then when people are really, really drunk and disruptive, 
Um, it's we we've had a couple of that in Lion King, um, but nothing to the extent that the bodyguard mm-hmm. had. Um, and it's tough. And I'm sure other jukebox musicals, jukebox musicals deal with that as well. I'm sure Anne Juliet dealt with that. Yeah, um, I'm like sure. The Drifter's Girl was in the papers Absol- a few times for having to stop the show. Yeah. Um, I've already heard something. Um, my friend Nick Gardner was at Ain't Too Proud. Yeah, Ain't Too Proud, yeah. And he said he was uh, sat next to a, a mother and son who were on a Mother's Day present trip to see the show. Yeah. People behind wailing the whole way through. And yeah. he was gutted for them and they'd spent good money. And he, this was a special thing. So he, he got them moved. He was you know yeah. amazing, got them moved in the interval. But so there's a few, yeah, like you said, there's a few issues. And one of the ones is, is the, how we sell alcohol in our theatres yeah. and how accessible that is. And when we should be drawing the line to not serve customers. I actually saw right. something online about even when we should not allow people into the theatre because the, of the state that they're arriving at the theatre in, yeah. which I think is really interesting. And it's also then the way in which we you know, pay or how much we pay our theatre right. staff, how we train them, yeah. how we support them, um, because it sounds like the team here were incredible, but mm. it's not fair. And a lot of these jobs aren't, you know, like they're not much above minimum wage if they are at all. Yeah. Um, and they're having to do with all of these crazy things. And they were just doing their job, I'm exactly. sure. Exactly. I mean, you know, I'm sure Moulin Rouge as well de- deals with a lot exactly. of that. So, yeah, I think it was a little unfair to the staff. But again, in defense of probably Allison or or the morning show, they were reacting to how the review was written. Yeah, 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 totally. I think it was poorly... She, she put out an apology yeah, as well. Yeah, her apology, I'm going to read a bit of it in a second, was so heartfelt, Alison Hammonds. I think that's... On these shows, they do a two and a half hour live show, right? And they're kind of, they get loosely briefed on what they're talking about and they're kind of pulled from piece to piece. They're doing an interview, then they're doing topical news stories, then they're doing a gardening segment. You know, it's yeah. so random. So they, it's not... People always take you know face value, but it's more about the producers and who breathed them and who informed right. them, and that that debate was even allowed to get on air was really stupid and really Absolutely. dangerous. And then look at the knock-on effect of it. Mm. That's not them as individuals; they're just kind of doing what yeah. they've got to do, doing their job. And they were reacting to how that article was written, exactly, which was really all about these signs. Exactly. So, that original review um, yeah. was is really weak. So let me read you a few statements. So the Manchester Palace Theatre said that they were grateful to their venue teams for dealing with these difficult circumstances in a professional and calm way and they ask customers to be considerate towards the cast, fellow audience members and the theatre team. Manchester Police said they would be reviewing evidence before a decision about whether further action is taken. Right. Watch this space. And Alison Hammond from ITV This Morning, like we said, also released a really heartfelt apology to anyone she offended, saying that she wants to use her platform for good and stands up with the performers, front of house and theatre staff. It was a really heartfelt and meaningful apology. And I have so much love and respect for her. She loves theatre. Yeah. She's always at opening nights and press nights. But and- you know what? This is what I think. This is my theory. Because alcohol really played a big um, part of this. Like, if people who are not really drunk and watching these shows, because they're going to see how incredible the talent is on stage, they're not going to want to sing as loud or even louder, unless they're really completely drunk. Because only alcohol will give you that courage to out-sing whoever's on stage. I had it at Dreamgirls. I went to see Dreamgirls in Liverpool. Um, The the very last performance of that tour, that's one of my favourite shows. I travelled out to Liverpool to go and see it one last time. It's an amazing cast as well. Incredible company. Um, Paige Peddy, Laurel, mm. just on our other podcast in the frame this week. And 
I had a, there was a group of women behind me who were singing the whole way through, and they were singing. And I'm telling you, every time a song started, when it wasn't, I am telling you, they oh. were still singing, and I am telling you. Um, and they were mimicking certain delivery of lines, which I thought was really problematic, and they were just horrendous. One of them started crying because of the behaviour. It was this whole thing going on. Oh my so gosh. I. In interval struck, I looked around, looked at the seat numbers immediately, went straight. So I was like, who do I talk to Absolutely. about all its behavior? And they didn't kick them out there and there. And, you know, they hadn't monitored that behavior. They hadn't picked that behavior up. Right. They said they would send security over to keep an eye on, act, on them in Act 2. But part of that is because they probably want them to go and buy more alcohol and up their sales in the interval, you know? Because yeah. there yeah. is that, that's how the theatres are bringing their money and they need the money because yeah. of all the cost of living crisis and everything's tougher post-pandemic. Yeah. So there's all different sides to it. But ultimately, they ruined the first yeah. act for me and I had paid my money to be there and I wanted to enjoy and the show. And you travel all the way there. Yeah, too. I got a hotel, I got right. a train, I got a drive. So... It's not, I didn't pay all that money yeah. to listen to four, five, six right. women sing a different song over the song I was trying to listen to and then to cry and have tantrums and, you know, to cause right. all this commotion. It's it's good. I think the good thing that's coming out of all of this is that the discussion is being had now. Yeah. now I think proper decisions and proper solutions will be now mm. put into place or so. at least studied to see about, you know, alcohol yeah. sales, disruptive audience members, how to deal with that, yeah. training for front of house staff, and all these things. Totally. And that's all I think, I mean, I'm always a glass half full guy, that's all going to help the industry yeah. moving forward. Because at first, that's good. At first, I was worried that this would put people off going to the theatre. You know, people who are in their audience might have been put off from going again. People who are hearing this coverage are going, oh, is that what's going on in theatres? I would implore anybody who was there to go back to a different performance of a show in Manchester and they'll have the most brilliant time. Yeah. And everyone should keep going to the theatre and you behave in the right way. Absolutely. And let's hope that this does move the conversation forwards and, you know, yeah. kick those those theatre owners into putting measures yeah. in place, supporting their staff more and yeah. um, ensure they're fully equipped to deal with these situations. Because I actually doubt that the ones that were disrupting the show were a majority. I think they were just a handful. Mm. Oh, totally. Like, like a couple of people. Absolutely. But the majority of the people that actually bought tickets that enjoyed the show mm. were actually behaving well. Mm. So, yeah, I think I think the audiences know what they need to do. And um, it's just a matter of how to regulate the disruptive behavior. 100%. Well, so. listen, so much love and respect to everyone, all the theater Absolutely. staff, all those people who had the show disrupted. In front of house staff in all the theaters. Yeah, you're amazing. Absolutely. And listen, The Bodyguard is an incredible show. Yeah. So it's getting a whole load of PR. <laughs> everyone knows about The Bodyguard now. <laughs> great. And everyone book your tickets. It's great. Absolutely. Go and see Melody Thornton belting her face off as Rachel. She's incredible. Shall we move on? Let's go. So, in some other news, the Operation Mincemeat cast album will finally be released on Friday the 12th of May. Have you seen it? I have only heard the best things about this show. It's so good, right? And the thing was, when I did an interview with them quite a long time ago now, end of 21, they, st they were still rewriting the show constantly, talking right. of new work. They're always working on it. So I was like, when are we going to get an album? And they said, when we stop playing with it and we stop, <laughs> when we stop rewriting it. 
So it sounds like now it's in the West End, they're finally. And I heard that it. when now that they're on the West End, it's actually really like it's even better than yeah. it originally was, and it it was already really it good. It was already really good, but it's had like the West End upgrade. Yeah, so you, I think you would like that. You know, I'm very excited to see. It's it. It's very like intimate, small scale, very Love funny. It. It's really cool. So watch out for that cast album. Um, all these links, the King and I will transfer to the Dominion Theatre for a second West End season in 2024 with Helen George returning to the show opposite Darren Lee. Have you seen the show? Yeah, I saw it just a couple of weeks ago, it's, most recently. It's a really beautiful stage. I saw it originally at the Lincoln Centre. Oh, did on you? On Broadway. So I, I, I love that this particular staging. Bart the Chair directed it. Yeah. it. It did the Lincoln Centre with Kelly O'Hara and Ken Watanabe. And then they did it again at the Palladium. Yeah. And now it's at the Dominion. I think the Dominion would be a great venue that for boat, it. That boat will sweep that out boat over and, the audience. And, and that, those wooden panel floors mm. that's going to go in forever, that giant Buddha. Um, I was really blessed because the UK tour had a small leg, had a one-month leg in Tokyo. <gasps> wow. So it was the UK international tour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we had one month in Tokyo with Ken Watanabe and, and Kelly O'Hara. And that was beautiful. I mean, Ken Watanabe is like a rock star mm. in, in, in Tokyo um, and Kelly O'Hara. So I, I got on, I went to play Lunta for a show uh, with them and it was really really lovely well I had uh, Maria Coyne who was the alternate yeah. right she was on here and she was saying that sex on the peach sex <laughs> on the peach listen to her podcast but she was saying she just couldn't believe she was like standing by for Kelly O'Hara and she yeah. said they literally just swept in at the last minute with very little rehearsal and just did it as well yeah. which is crazy it was great yeah so I was with um, I was with Maria as well for that tour and I know a lot of people on this tour uh, yeah. Dean Maria's on it they have so, so. much amazing talent yeah, I went to see it a few weeks ago in High Wycombe and they were all amazing. So go and see that. Back in the West End. I'm, I'm Darren gonna... Lee playing the king. Darren Lee is incredible. Yeah. Um, Newsies will complete its London run on the 30th of July with some new cast members joining the show from the 29th of April. Um, talking of the bodyguard, Zoe Burkett will reprise her performance as Rachel Marin in The Bodyguard after eight years. Um, so she's going to play the role for all evening performances in Crawley, Bournemouth, Newcastle, her hometown, which is so exciting, wow. um, Cheltenham and Norwich. Isn't she currently She's in, in Bake Off? In Bake Off, yeah. yes. She's just jumped from Moulin Rouge straight into Bake Off, then straight back into the bodyguard. Oh, that's a dream. That's um, a dream. All these incredible <laughs> roles. Um, and then if you're watching a matinee on Sunday the 23rd of April, that's fast approaching, make sure you turn off your phone. Have you heard this? No. Because the government will be testing a new alert system at 3pm on that day, the 23rd of April, which means even phones on silent will still make a sound and vibrate. The alerts are going to be used in cases such as extreme weather or terror incidents, etc. And they're doing a kind of a test. But even if your phone's on silent, it will still make the sound and still vibrate. Oh, they can really control our phones. Yeah, they can. I know in other countries they already do this. Oh, in wow, America, they can do this for like tornado warnings and stuff. So to so that they don't disrupt the show, they need to turn the phones off. Yeah, exactly. On the matinee. On the matinee. <laughs> <laughs> it's very specific. I love this work. <laughs> Public what, service announcement. Well, yeah, I, I, 
they're gonna have need to have more than signs for those performances because otherwise we really distracted like these alarms are going off everyone will freak out um and i also wanted to mention was i didn't do it last week um paul o'grady who we sadly oh, yeah. lost the other week he was such a legend it's so much for like the wider creative industries first of all just being a mainstream drag artist on primetime tv which was just so progressive and such a difficult time so one of my really good friends is in the annie cast oh yeah, yeah I was, I'm, he was playing with hannigan and he still had some yeah. dates left and um i think it came as a shock to them as well because yeah. um apparently paul o'grady was very very alive and you know really oh, active sure he was just yeah. a couple of weeks a couple of days before it happened so mm. we lost a good one yeah oh my, and my my youtube algorithm now as well, alongside your youtube videos after <laughs> watching your youtube channel all last night is now just uh, this morning i was watching paul o'grady on lucifer was still last night i was watching paul o'grady oh who was he interviewing or oh, julian clary on his chat show just all these paul o'grady videos are now just dominating yeah. my youtube algorithm um but He's my, an icon. my favorite is that performance of you've got to get a gimmick from gypsy with Silla black and barbara windsor at the london palladium and the I didn't realize the Queen was watching that. That was like a real variety performance. And, uh, and his dad, uh, yeah, uh, with his nipple and, tassels, uh, yeah, uh, like grinding <laughs> and, and all sorts. Um, so, yeah, so much love to his loved ones. And wow. to like everyone who's worked with him has been so touched and so moved and been paying these, you know, really beautiful tributes. Um, he wasn't even 70. It's such a loss. Um, so, yeah, love to Paul and, he, and his family. And he left us doing the very thing that he loved. Shall I tell you what I've seen this week? All right, I want to hear it. <laughs> you're such a good co-host, you know. <laughs> Am I? You're good at this. Yeah, you have. You, yeah, you're well qualified. I knew you'd be good. <laughs> so, following Sodat runs at the Royal Court and New Diorama, Ryan Calais Cameron's play for Black Boys who have considered suicide when the hue gets too heavy has transferred to the Apollo Theatre for a West End mm, run. It's incredible. I all I knew is that I had to see this. Right, everyone's yeah. like, you have to see the judges. I didn't know. Like, I hardly knew anything about it. Right. And I love those experiences when you go into the theatre um, and something just hits you. So c- can you... Because I haven't seen it, but everybody's saying... Should I paint the picture? Just paint the picture without any spoilers. No spoilers. So the premise is that six young black men meet for group therapy and let their hearts and imaginations run wild. It's not like a naturalistic kind of staging it's staged with creativity embracing theatricality so you've got movement music imagery the company kind of come together as an ensemble to create other characters wow. deliver some bits in unison other bits individuals come forward and just have like character actor moments um and they really get to tell these characters stories um and in turn it's kind of delving into so many different areas so uh, it's basically, it's, it's staged and performed. There's so much flair, right? And authenticity, which just isn't something we see on right. stages. And it's not just because of the cast who are amazing. It's There's literally black excellence working across the production in all the different areas. Even behind the scenes. Exactly, exactly. Fantastic. Like the creative team, truly, like, truly authentic. Um, and ultimately what shines through because of that is that it just has heart. Right. And we're seeing black men being represented on stage like we've never seen them represented on stage before. So we're delving into black men health history relationships family identity it's deep and it's a lot it's heavy and heartbreaking but then it's also 
like totally hilarious and totally joyful. And to be in a theatre where like, I would say like more than half of the audience that I was sat with were black. Wow. And that is just, that you just don't get that in the yeah. theatre. And we're always having these conversations like, we need to make sure, you know, we stop just making theatre of middle-aged white middle class mm. people because that's like they, they dominates theatre audiences and I'm sure people have all these conversations and actually look it's the answer is so simple yep. it's like look you just cr- tell the stories tell the stories create a piece of theatre that will actively speak to other people right. and they will come yeah. because they will tell people to come word will get out and I mean, look at this w- with theatre and with art I think representation is never going to be not a good thing mm-hmm it's always going to be relevant. It's always going to be important because, I mean, just look at London, you know. I mean, all, all the stories, all the different accents and languages and, and hues and, and, and faces and peoples and stories, there, there's not enough shows that represent all these stories. Mm. So the amount of material that can be produced is endless mm. for as long as we're willing to go into these stories. Totally. So I'm so glad that this is It's always like a double-edged sword for me because on one side, you're like, wow, this people are going to have these, an experience where they go to the theatre and they're spoken to in a way that they've never experienced before. But it's sad that some of those people, they'll be in their you know, 50 plus, like it's sad that they haven't had that experience before. Right. So it's, it's, it's something to be celebrated, but it's also a reminder of, yeah. of the poor representation, the lack of representation that we've had. In the past, yeah. In the past, which is interesting. I think people was like quick to kind of celebrate these things. Yeah. And it is totally amazing. But but yeah, it's it's and that's why I think it'll hit people's really hard. Some people are yeah. like, wow, I've never been spoken to on a stage like this. But I love what you said, that it was, it was deep, it was complex, yeah, yeah. it was heartbreaking, but it was also really hilarious and entertaining. Yeah. And that's all the elements you want in, in a show. Mm. And I think they know that because they, they keep the auditorium open for 15 minutes afterwards. Do they? Like a decompression period. Oh, wow. So if you just want to take a moment and just stay and just reflect, I don't people will be reacting different ways you can just take that time and they won't be ushering you out you can just sit there and take a moment which I've never I I don't know if it's the totally original idea but I've never experienced that in a theatre before I kind of do that sometimes with some shows that really affect me I kind of just let everybody leave the house first and just sit down and just take my time getting off my seat it's nice that it's intentional mm. for this particular show because they know. I do it for opposite reasons. I see someone I know and I start talking and then I'm being <laughs> kicked out. I happened to try and cross theatre recently. They asked us had to ask us to move the conversation <laughs> to like outside the auditorium. Because <laughs> they need to reset. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, wanted, they wanted to go home. <laughs> they were like, done. Um, so this cast of six were incredible. They gave everything, right? Like, it, they were so funny and individual, but they also they were so together as an ensemble. They don't miss a beat, and they've all come with it from the Royal Court, all incredible. And then, like, the way the movement came into it and the way that was so precise was so Whoa. was so slick. Um, the design's incredible. Like, when you walk into the auditorium, there's this haze of smoke. So you can't even, like, see if there's a stage or there's, like, a cloth in you can't really see it's just this haze um and then the pieces inject with so much color um so many amazing references to black culture like even the music that's pumped into the auditorium and the foyer and the foyer the music is pumped through like a boom box oh, so it wow. really just sounds yeah. like it's not some posh sound system it just yeah. it's like, it just sounds like the vibes are flowing You're like oh okay like this is 
this is what I feel when and I that's what you want you want you want the experience to start as soon as you enter literally the literally. They've, they've like they've thought this through right that's incredible if I look like a step forward it's unapologetic it's important um it's an example of a piece of theatre where all the creative elements are strong. And essentially, I think it's a kind of show that lots of people should see. It's a bit like My Son's a Queer, but what can you do in the sense of, right. for some people it'll be reaffirming and for other people it'll be educational. And those are two really powerful and important things that I think theatre should be doing. And it's also just a really good play. Great. Great. So Let me check tickets now. It start. runs at the Apollo <laughs> Theatre until the 7th of May. So limited runs, so you don't have long. And like, right. the, the responses were like truly, truly epic, truly epic. I can't wait. I've 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 seen a lot of people reviewing on Twitter and, and all that, saying it's it's incredible. So, one thing that we haven't discussed actually, we're talking about pandemic working. And as the, we kind of came out of the pandemic or out of the lockdowns, you were in the West End <laughs> doing some little show called Heather's Little Show. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's going to be a London staple for a while. A I crazy, think. massive show. Yeah. Which at that time, because obviously Heather's is still now around, like yeah. bigger than ever with two productions. The, the Heather's Multiverse, that's what they call it. Now. Literally. But back then, we it kind of it finished. We It had its yeah. other past run. It comes to West End. And we thought maybe that was it over. And it was so exciting that it came back the other yeah. um, back to the Haymarket. Haymarket and it was perfect timing because it felt like a show that was going to get people back into the theatre right and how cool for you to be a part of that so I know it's crazy right? it was very cool and um it was like it was like because Heather's was a massive hit when it was first at the other palace with Carrie Hope Fletcher and the original cast and and at Theatre Royal Haymarket um, and they had the whole thing. I mean, they had they had the the corn nuts throwing scrunchies at them in the curtain call. They had the stage door mobs. It was a whole thing. For us, we didn't have that because we were still in the middle you of the pandemic. You weren't allowed to. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. We couldn't get. I mean, they had to speaking at front of house signs. They had to say that they couldn't throw any scrunchies onto us, or we couldn't stage door, which was quite a challenge because Heather's is all about the fans so that was the third thing so you have the audience disruption in the bodyguard you have the kids singing let it go in in uh, frozen then the third it's a three-pronged thing then you have the corn nuts who we never had to stop a show because the audience as loud as they were and some would sing along Right, but it never really disrupted the show. Mm. So I guess it I was get, with love. It was there's so much love. I've never experienced it ever, um, and I mean, there's a lot to say about Heather's, and you know, so it's not everybody's cup of tea, but it's dark. What what an experience, and I think it it has um, Paul Taylor Mills and BKL and and Heather's has contributed to to the landscape of the UK theatre scene. Um, it's got a hell of a lot of people into theatre. Yeah. Young, new generations, TikTokers, all these young yeah. ones that are really falling in love with musical theatre because of Heathers. And I'm sure you've experienced since that people from Heathers have come to support you in Absolutely. other concerts and other shows that you've done. Absolutely. And that's how it happens. You just, yeah. you, you get attached to one show, the performers move on, and you go into yeah. the other projects, and before you know it, you're a fully-fledged theatre-goer. Yeah. But how cool for you to have that support as well. It's, it, for me, that was probably, I can't imagine a better West End debut than, than Heather's playing Ram Sweeney. In an amazing role as well. In, in, in my pants. <laughs> Not wearing many like, clothes at this all. is who I am and this is this is how it's going to be. It's, 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 it's great. 
great. I, so, because you know what? After Heather's, I never wore clothes in all my other shows. Venara, I was also half naked. In Lion King, I was pretty much half naked. So it's nice to be wearing. Are some, you dressed in Killing the I, Cat? I am very dressed in Killing the Cat. I saw Venara as well, you know. Oh, did you? I At the Hackney. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With Jacob Fowler, Kaylee, Kaylee McKnight. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Shem. Shem. Oh my gosh, yeah. I love Shem. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I've built a lot of great friends from Venara. So people need to come down to Riverside Studios. Yeah, we're we have... there. We're King the Cat until the twenty second of April. Until twenty second April. So a couple more weeks. Oh, so yeah. you're finished by the time I think you finish a day before the siren goes off on people's phones. Oh, great! That's is the twenty third. It... Oh, is it? I think on so you're Sunday. Not, yeah. so you're not affected. No, <laughs> no, we're not affected. We're not affected. Where can people stay up to date with you on social media? So oh, let me get this <laughs> right because I might, I might, because I keep changing my hand. So I'm on Instagram mainly. Why are you changing your hand? Because people didn't know it was me the first. Okay, so my my Instagram is Joaquin.pedro.valdes. They can find me there on Instagram and on Twitter. I am also J Pedro Valdes. Yes, yeah. get following. So that just just the two of them, and uh, yeah, um, you can see me at Riverside Studios uh, with Killing the Cat until the twenty sec- second of April. But also come to the Riverside Studios. Unfortunately, they just announced that they're going to go into administration. But we need more venues like that. We need more venues that are beautiful, that are willing to support new work, um, that are willing to support... I mean, these are fringe venues in London uh, that are trying out stuff and um, and taking a big risk. Mm. And sometimes that big risk doesn't pay off. Mm. And you got to hand it to them for that you know, courage and that passion 100%. to keep new stuff happening. To have yeah. a home for shows like in the cab Absolutely. to have their premieres. Absolutely. Support new stuff. Mm. Support new work. Listen, thank you so much. Andrew, it's my pleasure. I've been a fan of Western Frame. Have you? Yeah, and it, when you when you invited me, I was like, oh. You've been on my secret list for a while, you oh. know. Oh. You've been on my secret list for a while. I was like, mm. I was like, I was waiting. I was like, oh, I think you've opened now. Maybe you have time. Yes, yes. <laughs> oh, thank you. Well, I have something for you. What is it? It's your. I, I run out of bubble wrap, so I'm afraid it's just in the poly bag. It's all this right. is your very own West End frame. Oh. oh, we need to take a photo with this. We'll, um, we will take a photo. Yes, <laughs> a oh. gift from me to you. Oh, it's gonna live right on my dressing room. Yes. Not not a lot of people. I I'm in good company that has this <laughs> mic. Listen, thank you. thank you. We will do this again. You're, you're an amazing co-host. Oh, please, have me anytime. And I wish people could see right now that you are, we keep that on this high chair. So you couldn't <laughs> find like a non-speaky chair. There were some wooden ones lying around, but there wasn't a wooden one today. So you're literally on like a high chair. <laughs> this is the setup that you should keep, I think. <laughs> Towering below, like above <laughs> me. It's so funny. I love it. And I'm on like a, like a little piano stool at the corner. It's very funny. Um, but yeah, a total pleasure. Lovely to meet you. Lovely to have you on. Thank you so much. Um, and thank you so much for listening to this episode of the West End Frame Show. Hit subscribe if you enjoyed today's episode and you can even leave us an Apple podcast or Spotify rating and review. We love hearing from you, so follow West End Frame on Instagram, TikTok and Facebook. Check out our interviews podcast in the frame and I'll be back next week for another Stagey Catch-Up. Thank you, Wookie! Thank you!